Welcome to the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast, brought to you by GuitarZoom.com. If you want to improve your guitar playing, keep listening. If you want to improve even faster, go to GuitarZoom.com, where you'll find all of Steve's premium courses, masterclasses, and memberships that'll help you quickly and easily improve your playing. Now, here's your host, Steve Stein. Let's go ahead and get started. We're going to be doing today, in the first session, if you remember, what we're doing is we're celebrating uh, the launch of my Chord Mastery course. So before we get started, I just want you to let you know that everything I cover in here is going to be in that Chord Mastery course. So what you can do if you're interested is head over to GuitarZoom.com. You can check out this and over 40 different courses that are available through a membership, a premium membership that we've got available. So if you're interested, please go over and check that out, okay? It helped me out a ton if it's something you're interested in. So in the first session, what we did was we talked about chords and how to make chords, optimizing your chord playing, that sort of thing. And in the second session, we talked about strumming and rhythm, organic strumming. Steve is here. Lisa's here. Anthony is here. Carl is here. How you doing, buddy? Steve Ford is here. Great. Okay. We have so many people here already. This is just great. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to try and shift a little bit and still work with a little bit of open chords, but I want to move into some power chord distortion stuff too, because I know we have a lot of people on the calls that we do stuff like this, these live sessions where people talk about this sort of thing and they want answers on distortion, using distortion and things. So I'm going to do both of these things today. Okay. So the first thing I'm going to do here is I'm going to start off by being on a clean channel. That should be pretty good. I don't want to overload the signal here. Now, I've been working really hard for the last couple of days trying to get this audio optimized so it's a little bit louder, a little bit cleaner for you. And uh, so hopefully that's working for you. Please let me know if you can hear my guitar and everything well. Okay. Kenneth is here. Craig from London is here. Awesome. So great. Okay. So the first thing I want you to understand is we've been talking about how we separate our hands when we practice. We practice our chording and we practice our strumming through a technique called scratching. We try and put these things together. That's what we're talking about today is putting these things together. Okay. So let's try this once. Let's say that you're struggling with being able to play a chord and strum and move chords at the same time. Now we know that Practicing these two things separately, practicing bouncing with your chords and practicing scratching with your strumming is going to develop these two things. And I need you to understand that it's very important for you to be aware of those techniques and any limitations that you come across. So when you're practicing, if you wind up going, you know, boy, this D is really kind of slow or whatever the chord is that you're trying to work on, a bar chord, doesn't matter what it is. But in the context of your practice, you realize that that particular chord or series of chords or whatever it might be needs some work, needs some tender love and care. You need to take time out and you need to practice bouncing and all of those things to optimize it. Okay. And then you can practice what I refer to as lifting and shifting, which is after you've bounced one or two or two or three or three or four chords, you start trying to get used to being able to move around and connect by lifting and shifting. And lifting and shifting only works if you've properly spent the right amount of time bouncing each one of those chords, right? And again, go please go back and watch these, these live sessions because if you have any questions, these things are going to help you. Okay, and then we talked about scratching. And how we could do that too, okay? We could do scratching and work on things like that. 
Okay, so now what we want to do is we want to put these two things together. So when we first start doing this, if this is where you are, it's going to be very robotic, not musical on any level. Okay, what I want you to watch, I'm going to play just a little bit here. Again, make sure my levels are down enough to where I'm not clipping anything here. That should be good. Okay, so now let's say I was playing and I was going to use a G, a D, and a C chord. And again, insert any chord you want here. Maybe I'm using bar chords. Now, the big thing that's happening here is I'm bouncing between these chords. I'm strumming and I'm doing the maraca thing I talked about, right, where I'm not stopping anything like that. But here's the deal. There are going to be times when you are shifting from one chord to the next when you're still going to be strumming. And that's a natural occurrence that happens on the guitar. I know that might seem simple, but it really was weird for me when I was first learning how to do this. So when I was playing, if I wanted to go from G, instead of stopping and then moving, I have to remember I have to continue strumming on through. So a really great thing to get used to doing is just, again, very robotically, if you've never done this before, take the last upstrum of a strumming pattern or maybe you're just strumming all of them, whatever it might be. And practice moving from, for instance, from G to D, whatever two chords you want to work on. So let's say I want to go from G to D. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go down, 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 up, down, up. Now on that last up, what I'm going to do is I'm going to lift and shift on that last up strum. So it's going to sound really weird when I play this slow, okay? Very robotic. It's not musical at this point, and that's okay. So I'm going down, 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 up, down, up. See that? And during that up, that's where I'm shifting to the next chord. Down, 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 up, down, up, down, 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 up, down, up, down. Because if you think about it, when we play guitar, even though it might seem like it, when people play, they don't try and move their fingers like this, if you watch very carefully. Like, you don't try and do it in, like, flash of lightning, you know what I mean? It should be a very natural motion, just moving back and forth. It doesn't have to be, like, you know, just immediate thing. <laughs> it just looks weird and it feels weird and it sounds weird. So you're not doing that. What's happening is on that last upstrum, that's a perfect place for you to lift and shift. Now, the truth is for that one strum, you're going to get a strum of no chord and it happens all the time. So now listen as I speed this up. Now you can hear it in there, but it doesn't sound awful. It doesn't sound terrible. It's a natural thing. Because the only other choice I have is to not strum at all there. Especially as it gets faster. If I go... Um... You see, I need that upstrum to be able to shift to where I'm going next. Okay, so think about that when you practice these things that you can use that upstrum right there as sort of an escape to get to the next chord. That's where your lift and shift is gonna happen to get over to that next chord. Now, if you were playing bar chords and you were doing this, let's say I'm going from G to D as a bar chord. 
Well, the difference here is, is that I could still strum. while I'm lifting, right? I could lift and shift. The other thing I could do though, because I have, the beauty of bar chords is, let me explain this to you real quick here too, so you kind of understand the difference between these in terms of tonality. Playing them is an entirely different kind of thing if you've ever played bar chords before. But when you're listening to them, open chords have this really great open chord, rock and roll kind of airy sound. Bar chords do not have that. Bar chords have more of a compressed, closed, tight sound. And I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm just saying they really do sound different. So when I play this G to this D, it's got this ACDC kind of rock and roll thing. When I play G to D here, you can see it all sounds very sucked in and tight. Okay? So when you're playing, a lot of times people will ask me, well, if it says, you know, play a G chord, which G chord should you play? And I always say, whichever one you want. I mean, it kind of depends on the kind of feel I'm going for. If I'm playing the song and I think the song needs to be tighter, I'd probably opt for a bar chord. If I needed it even tighter yet, I'd probably opt for a power chord, right? I can keep tightening it as I go. If I want it loose and rock and roll and strummy and that sort of thing, I'm going to try and play it as, as open chords if I can which brings up a completely non-related subject, which is a capo. Like a lot of times you could play a song, but maybe the only way you can play it is either you got to play it as bar chords because it's not in a, a key that works for open chords. Let's say you're playing in the key of A flat or something like that. But the other thing you could do is put a capo on. Well, a lot of times people think of capos as just being cheaters because you don't know your other chords. Well, the truth is a capo is a great thing to use when you still want that open chord, airy, rock and roll, strummy sound and you don't want to compress it into these bar chords, you still want that open chord sound, that's a great time to use a capo, okay? So hopefully that makes sense to everybody, okay? So as I play then, what I can do with this is, is with the bar chords, because I have control of all these strings, I could, instead of lifting as I shift, again, I don't want to um, clip the tone here, so if I go, Now what's happening, even though it's happening a little fast, instead of lifting my hand completely off the guitar and then shifting over to the D chord, what I'm doing is I'm lifting, but I still continue touching the strings. So the strum becomes a scratch like we talked about in the last session. And what this does is it enables me to keep that strum going as I speed this up, but maybe I don't want that open sound. When I'm switching from G to D, I really don't have a choice because I'm strumming strings that are open unless I, you know, try and stop them and things like that. And we're not looking for that kind of sound. We want that to be open. It's okay for that to happen. But sometimes with bar chords, we might want that open sound, but we might want to deaden those sounds by instead of taking the hand off completely, we simply lift enough to stop the vibration, which is the scratching we talked about in the last session. Okay. So hopefully that makes sense to you. Just checking some things here, checking some comments. Awesome. Okay, good, 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 good. Perfect. Awesome. Looks like everybody's getting that really well. Okay, this is great. So that's something I want you to work on because that was always a big two problems that I always had. Number one was I would strum and then when I was going to switch, I would stop. 
Well, that's something we talked about in the last session. That's why you want to practice these things independently. But when you start trying to merge them back together, which is what we're doing right now, is merging chords with strumming. And as we start merging those back together, the thing that you have to be aware of is that there are going to be times when you are lifting and shifting, but you're still strumming. You got to keep strumming. Okay, so if we just be aware of that and start off playing very robotic. And just get used to that. Now, as we get more comfortable with that, we could move back into our organic strumming that we were doing in the last session. And see, this hand is going to get used to just being able to flip over to the next chord that we need at the right moment in time because we're feeling that, right? We're feeling that last up strum and we're allowing this to happen so we can get back to just doing whatever strums we want. And this is really, really, really important because again, if you think about what I said in the last session about playing a maraca or playing a egg shaker or whatever you want to think of it as when you're strumming, the strumming wants to propel the song. The strumming wants to make that rhythm so it's exciting and it's energetic and it's not necessarily contrived like a strumming pattern necessarily. It all depends, okay? But just be aware of that. So if I can get this going and just know that on that last up of the measure, right, little cure right there, okay? It just makes the whole thing sound more authentic when you're playing. Okay? Now sometimes, and I don't know if this is intentional or not, but if you think about it, I'm going to give you two different examples here. The first example sounds like this. Now you might be familiar with that song. What I've always thought was really interesting about that song is it's kind of like they're making the robotic part of taking your hand off part of the song. Now, I'm not saying that they are. This is the way it's always sounded to me when you listen to it, is as I'm playing, you can hear that becomes part of the song. You see that? Now, again, I'm, I don't know them personally, so I don't know that that's true. But you can see how it really does seem like that, that that's what's happening is we're lifting our fingers to move to the next chord. We're not actually shifting to a chord and then shifting back. We're just relaxing and allowing that to happen and allowing it to be part of the song. Okay, so if I show you this too, if I do this, now this is a little bit different, but you're going to get the idea. Okay, in that instance, what's happening is, as I play, the last note that I play winds up being an open string, which allows you to then move. Now, as the artist was writing this, maybe they were aware of it, maybe they weren't, maybe it was just a subconscious thing. But if you think about it as I play, We've got those open notes that allows us to get lifting and shifting from one chord to the next as we play. If I did this. Mm -hmm. 
same thing's happening. I have this open G now, this open mm-hmm. third string that's happening every single time that allows us to lift and shift, and it becomes part of the song, okay? Now, not every song does that. Obviously, there's songs where we don't have that, and it really is really fast, right? But if you think about it in just these various examples of popular tunes, you can see how this can happen, and it just becomes part of the way people play. A side note, a side story. I was in the studio one time with a guy, and I was recording acoustic parts to, it was just acoustic and a female voice. And I was recording these acoustic parts and I was in a drop tuning and I kept getting kind of this, for whatever weird fingering I had for this song, I don't remember how I played it at the time, but I remember being in the studio. I was in one of the rooms and I was playing and he's recording and I kept getting finger sliding sounds, which I know you know what I'm talking about. You know, when you get this kind of kind of thing happening. I was getting really frustrated and he comes in and he goes, hey, what's going on? And I said, well, I'm getting too much of this finger noise as I'm playing, you know, as I'm trying to switch my fingers. And he goes, well, that's the nature of the guitar, right? And he wasn't trying to be a jerk about it. He was just saying, there are things that the guitar does. There are noises that the guitar makes. That's a very natural element. And you just go with it because that's what happens when you play the guitar. And I, I always think about that when I talk about stuff like this. Because I'm the one that had to understand, unless I was going to edit out and post or something like that, it's just a very normal thing that happens oftentimes. And yeah, I could get elixir strings or something like that that are coded and make it better or whatever it might be. But the point was is that these are things that happen. These are sounds that we get. So what we're going to do is shift gears a little bit. I'm going to move into playing some distortion now. And we're going to move into playing some power chords, okay? We're going to talk about trying to tighten up the chord movements for this as well. Okay, and this would work for bar chords or power chords. But of course, as I add more distortion to my tone, obviously a bar chord tends to get really, really thick. And again, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's the truth. Because you're playing more strings and you have more pitches, it tends to get harmonically kind of complex. It's again, a beautiful sound. But if we want to tighten that up even more, we play less strings, thus we play power chords. And things sound very, very tight at that point, you see? So one thing that I remember struggling with when I was a kid was trying to move. I would play a chord. Right, and there's that noise that I'm talking about, only it's it's exemplified because I'm playing it with distortion, right? Okay, so then the question is, okay, so what do I do? What do I do if I don't want that sound? Well, there's really two things that I can do if I don't want that sound. Number one, well, three things. Number one, I might want that sound, right? Sometimes you just want something that's kind of... And it's kind of noisy and whatever and gritty, and it's okay that it's getting those sounds. But sometimes you want it to be tighter than that. So what happens is what I can do is practice, for instance, doing something very simple like this. Right? Which you might be familiar with. Right? That sort of thing. And what I'm doing is I'm playing a power chord from third fret to fifth fret. And what I have to do is as I move, I'm not lifting my fingers at all. I'm sliding. So I should be getting noise. But what happens is I strum at the exact right time. So you don't hear that. That's a different kind of sound. If I slide, now I'm getting, right, that kind of thing. That's, that's an intentional slide, 
Okay? If I don't want that slide, what I need to do is I need to learn to time. I need to learn to time my movements so I get minimal amounts of that audible slide. Now, again, it might be in there a little bit. As you make things faster, it's harder to hear it, right? When it's slower, it's a little bit easier to hear some of that. But that's something that you can work on is just your timing, strumming. to get used to that. Now let's talk about the end of that riff. Now when I play at the end of it, what I'm gonna do is I wanna get back, but I don't wanna go. I don't want that. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna karate chop these strings very lightly and I'm gonna stop them from vibrating. Which then allows me to take this hand off and reset myself. See that? So that's another technique that you can do when you're playing. Sometimes when you're playing, you need to learn that you're going to have a space in between. Again, our three choices. We're going to get noise in between. Maybe it's scratching, whatever it might be, like we talked about in the very beginning of this session. Or maybe it's timed, so we're going to slide. We're going to keep the pressure down. We're going to slide. Right? And again, it doesn't need to be fast. I'm just trying to go through this because we only have so much time together. Or the other thing is, is I'm going to stop those strings from vibrating and I'm going to lift my hand up. Right? So. You see, as I do that, there's certain places where I'm going to allow them to connect. And then there's other places where I want that disconnect by taking my hand in, touching those strings, and stopping them. You see, and that's how I can control those sounds as I'm shifting those. Okay, let's see here. Just looking through here, making sure everybody's cool. Again, there's so many comments. I, I'm sorry, I just can't get to everybody, but at least it's making sense to you. So again, if you like this kind of stuff, just remember what you can do is just head over to guitarzoom.com and check out the membership that we have available. There's going to be a link somewhere you can check out too, but if you just head over there and check that out, it's going to be available for you to see if it's something that you'd be interested in. And I have so many different courses that come with that membership too. So if you're looking for stuff on scales or fretboard or theory or modes or anything like that, it's all in there. Okay, so it's worth checking out. All right, so hopefully that makes sense to you. So that's what I want you to be thinking about when you're playing. Now, let's move into palm muting. Now, palm muting in itself is a discussion we could have just on the art of palm muting itself. But basically what I'm doing is I'm taking the karate chop part of my hand and I'm sitting it right where the bridge comes over the top where that string is. So if I move too far this direction, I'm just gonna kill that string. If I move too far back, I'm not gonna mute it at all. What I have to do is find that fine spot right where I come over the top, right here, with the karate chop part of my hand. And I'm gonna turn over a little bit, because if I'm sitting like this, of course I can't pick the strings. So I have to turn over a little bit. And I can decide 
where I want that palm mute to be. To get the sound that I'm looking for. Now, as I'm playing a power chord, this goes back to the first session that we did. I'm gonna deaden out everything I don't want with my index finger so nothing is vibrating unwanted, right? The only thing you're gonna hear are the top two or three strings. Right? So I'm getting this palm muting sound, the, the palm muting that I'm looking for. I'm moving around a little bit, find that fine spot. Okay, and there I am. So now what I wanna do is I wanna practice being able to do the same thing. Now you're gonna notice when you're palm muted, you're gonna hear that slide. Like the story I told you, you're gonna start hearing this because it's just part of the sound of it. So what I like to do is I have students, for instance, practice different techniques to get used to being able to do this. So what I have them do is play a three finger, six string power chord up here. Okay, and then what we're gonna do is we're gonna drop down to the fifth string, and we're gonna do that by taking the ring finger off the guitar and just dropping that first finger down. So the, the pinky is acting like a pivot like we talked about in the first session. So I'm playing and I'm just dropping that first finger down and taking this ring finger off the guitar. See that? So the pinky just stays there, just stabilizes and stays there. And then of course I drop my pick down to the fifth string and then back to the sixth string. So that's another shifting element that you can practice. And what I have students do is what, what I've always called the figure eight. I'll have them do this, and then they're going to move up and go from fifth string to sixth string. And then they're going to move up and go from sixth string to fifth string. So it's like a figure eight. They're going, and then we go back. So it makes like a little eight loop. And you get used to being able to play these, okay? Shifting back and forth, yet maintaining that. So you're not going, you're not doing that. You're not lifting the whole thing up so it doesn't get overly noisy. You try and stay in control as much as you can as you start shifting these things. So that gives you some ideas of how you can practice with open chords or bar chords or whatever it is that you might be doing with some clean guitar how we can put on the distortion and whether we're using power chords or we're using bar chords, how we can either do one of three things. We can utilize the noise and accept it and love it because that's true. It's a reality in certain styles of music. We do that. The second thing is, is that we can intentionally have those slides in there as we shift, okay? Or what we're doing is we're lining it up. And then the last thing that we're doing is we're stopping the strings. We're lifting up that hand and moving it, which is all those examples I just showed you. You see, you can control all of this. So the last thing that I'll say, which is not really related to this, but it's very, very important for you to remember, if you're ever using distortion, and I would say anytime you're playing electric anyway, learn to turn off your volume when you're not playing, even if it's for short amounts of time. You know, if I'm playing and I go, I never go, and just leave it open. And the reason is because if you ever get an opportunity to play a lot like on stage and you're really, really loud, this sometimes just turns into feedback. So you get used to turning your volume off whenever you don't need your volume on. 
So even within the context of songs, oftentimes if you're playing... You can get used to turning your volume off as you're playing. It depends on how much time there is. I mean, sometimes you don't have time. And sometimes what helps a lot too is if you take your volume and... Again, depending on the song, what you can do is take that volume and maybe in your rhythm parts, just back your volume off a little bit. And that'll really tighten up all that stuff. And then when you need it to be heavy again. Maybe that's where you bring it back out all the way. And when it gets to the next part, you bring it back down. You see, so there's a lot of control that you have, even with just a volume. Now, I don't have any numbers or anything on my volume. I just get used to how much to turn it by how it sounds to me. But even things like that can really tighten up as you're playing. It's a technique I know Slash and a lot of other players use, is instead of just having it on 10 all the time, you drop it back a little bit, you tighten up that tone, a little bit less distortion filtering through there. And then you need to really open it up, you pull it back up, all the way up. You can always drop it back, and that tightens everything back up again. Again, that's what we're dealing with, aren't we? When we're dealing with chords and moving chords, is trying to make everything sound either as tight as we can or embracing the fact that they're very loose and, you know, that sort of thing. And there's, that's an awesome thing, too. It's just a different kind of thing. Okay, so let's continue practicing that. Now, remember, on Monday, I'm going to be going live again. And I think on Monday, we're talking about the caged chording system and what it is and how you can have that work for you. And please remember, do me a favor. If you get a chance, head over to guitarzoom.com. Watch for the, on the main page there, there's a button you can click and you can learn all about the membership where you can get this course and a bunch of other courses, different things like that, that are available to you, okay? So remember, stay positive, keep practicing, have a wonderful weekend. And if you can, please join me again on Monday and we'll just hang out and talk guitar again and see if I can help you with some stuff. So take care. I'll speak to you soon, all right? Next time on the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast, today what we want to do is we want to say, okay, we've learned some chords. What are we going to do with these things, right? So here's what I want you to start thinking about. One thing that I learned early on, which made no theoretical sense whatsoever, but it was if I was making a chord and I had a finger that I wasn't using on the guitar, I would try and place it somewhere on the guitar to see if I could change the sound of things. And when we change the sounds of chords, of course, oftentimes we change the names of them. Not always but oftentimes the names will change. Well, we're not really worried about that right now because we're not going down the theory route today. We're just going down a creative route. That's what we're looking for. So let's say you were playing something like a plain old C chord. Okay, so you think about that C chord. And I think, okay, I've got this pinky available and it's not doing anything, so why not figure out where I could put it? Okay, so one thing I could do is, for instance, I could place this pinky on the first string on the third fret. Now, it's not going to change it dramatically. It's just adding in that sound up on top. Okay? So it's just adding this higher register on top of that chord, but it does sound kind of nice. Okay? Now, if I try to put it one fret higher, it's not going to sound as nice in the general sense. Now, that's the thing about music is sometimes we come across things and you might go, oh my God, that's an amazing sound. And somebody else is going, oh my God, that's not an amazing sound. We're all different. So it's not my job to tell you what you should or shouldn't like. I just want you to enjoy what you're doing. So if we take that C chord, we put this here. We 
get that kind of sound. So oftentimes when we're playing chords, what you'll encounter are chords that we call sus chords. These are very common chords that we do. Let me show you this. If I took this D chord right here, just played it traditionally like I always do, but this time again, I'm gonna take that pinky and I'm gonna set it on the first string, third fret again. I get this new sound, the chord changes, and we call this a sus chord, a suspended chord. And what that really just means is, hey, here's the sound of a D chord. And when I add that pinky on, what it's doing is it's suspending the sound. It's making us just wait, and we're just waiting for the resolve of this to go back. So if you listen to that sus chord that I'm doing right there, see that? And it resolves all nice, comes back. Okay? Well, if we like that, what we could do is take the middle finger and we could take that off the guitar put it back down and we would get that sound. Between this adding the pinky which we call a sus4 and again don't get stressed about the name of it just enjoy it. If you enjoyed today's podcast and want to learn guitar even faster go to guitarzoom.com and click the get started button to get access to courses that are right for your interest and skill level. Again go to guitarzoom.com and click the get started button.